Pablo Picasso said it best. Every kid comes out an artist, but adulthood just wants you to not be creative. It's like, no, you're supposed to be producing things, not creating things. You're supposed to be producing actions, but not creating things that you come up with from scratch. We got to get rid of that. Welcome to the Think Out Loud podcast. My name is George Yui, and this podcast is dedicated to those who are passionate about their personal development and are looking to create lives of passion, purpose, and peace. This podcast is called Think Out Loud because I've learned as a coach that when we think out loud, that is where insight is born. We see things more clearly, we feel things more deeply, and we move forward in life from our most authentic self. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Think Out Loud podcast. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Johnny Rapp, who's an accomplished meme creator, marketer, humanitarian, and artist. He's also an entrepreneur that's starting a local project here in Los Angeles with the mission of helping people reconnect with nature and establish a more beneficial relationship with technology. Johnny and I first connected at a gratitude dinner in Venice, and I was inspired by his story at how he has helped heal his inner child and how he continues to help other children with disabilities today. This is going to be an exciting conversation that's going to highlight the importance of the process of when we can navigate where there's stuckness and stagnation and healing that needs to be done in our life today, how the role of going back and reparenting our inner child can benefit that how it can lead us to more authenticity, more radical self-expression, which then leads to new creative opportunities and creative potential. I think you're really gonna enjoy this show. Without further ado, let's get started. All right, welcome back to a new episode of the Think Out Loud podcast. Uh, Today I'm joined by Johnny Rapp, uh, a beautiful human that I met at a gratitude dinner the other week before the holidays in Venice. Mm-hmm. And uh, as soon as I heard this guy speak, I just knew that he was a really special person, <laughs> a man that lives with a lot of intention and consciousness, uh, introspection, and and just a beautiful way of articulating his life experience and what he's learned. And so I'm really excited mm-hmm. to bring him on to the, ep- the show with you guys today. And um, I want to have you uh, introduce yourself in a moment. Mm. But I want to play a little differently as we start, mm-hmm. because when you walked into this to our space today, you 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 know you mentioned that there's some good things going on, and you mentioned those also some hard things going on, and mm. I, I just thought what a wonderful way to just get super raw, super real, right from the get go. And if you don't mind, perhaps you could share what the rose is going mm. on right now mm. in your life, mm-hmm. and then what the thorn is. Mm. And and what a what a powerful and unique and different way to just speak who you are by exactly what's coming up for you in present moment right now. Yeah, in your life. Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, thank you for the uh, kind words. It's always nice to feel uh, seen and and acknowledged. Uh, yeah, when I came in, I, I just uh, I realized life is full of these uh, call them peaks and valleys. I guess everyone's all. Uh, going up and going down. And I, I never thought of the rose, kind of the contrast of that beauty and that softness of the the head of it, but then also the uh, the body of it. It uh, can be a little prickly, you know? But yeah, life just right now for me has been uh, more of a struggle in like a personal sense with like relationships and people. And I think a lot of people are, are experiencing mental health problems right now. And I'm very much of a empathetic person 
by design. I think I was just born that way. I kind of uh, am a sponge to my environment. And so when you have people really close to you that are experiencing trauma, you know, healing of trauma, and you're kind of going on that journey with them, it can be really, really hard. You kind of see and feel yourself in that person. And, uh, you know, it kind of makes you want to cry a little bit, but also make you, you know, this is why I do what I do. This is why I focus on what I'm focusing on. I think uh, things have been good for me in a professional realm because it's been more of a focus on helping people and luckily being able to be paid for doing that in all sorts of types of ways, helping entrepreneurs, helping all sorts of projects that I'm really inspired by, help, being able to contribute to those. And each one of them have the ethos of trying to make use of all this technology and natural wonder and psychological divides and issues and figure out how to make sense of them all and create a a healing experience for people through that. So it's like, that's why I do what I do. And then that's why I think I'm kind of maybe am experiencing these valleys of, you know, one by one, here's someone struggling with uh, autism or here's someone struggling with, uh, you know, borderline personality disorder or struggling with bipolar disorder and, you know, just wanting to help others, but also sometimes you got to let them decide that they want to help themselves, even as much as you love them and care about them. So just been experiencing that in a relationship, you know, with a fine woman, very sweet and like-minded individual, but also, uh, you know, God bless her. There's just a lot of struggle that happens within all of us. And I think that's what also brings us closer together too. So we've all been pricked by the thorn. So it's, uh, <laughs> ah, I feel your pain when you're talking about that. I, I've actually pricked my finger the same way as you, but in my way, in my world, in my realm and what that means for me. So yeah, that's just, uh, yeah, experience a little bit of amazing goodness in the professional realm as good as that can be. And then, uh, also a little hardship in the personal side of things. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's a unique world that you're operating in. You're an artist and mm-hmm. part of the art that you do is also holding that space for people with mental disorder. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the things that you mentioned, maybe you can speak a little bit about that to give our listeners some context is the work that you were doing over in Israel and mm-hmm. the work that you do with, with, with uh, autistic children. And that, mm-hmm. that might be able to provide some context and, and just speak about your passion supporting people in that mm-hmm. area. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, I guess like a little bit of background about me. I, I'm a firm believer, like, uh, you know, you grow up and whatever you're around, you kind of become that person. And I was a person that had like seven grandparents because my parents' parents got divorced. There was a whole kind of tree there. And, uh, you know, some of them were nurses. Some of them were more like preachers, uh, you know, just people trying to help people in different ways, spiritually and physically and whatnot. And uh, I was super exposed to that just throughout my whole childhood. And, uh I don't know. I, I received a lot of love. I received a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, a lot of uh, connection with people that I think needed, uh, you know, just uh, some friendship. And I was able to provide that and also feel, uh, I don't know, the, the specific feeling you get when you're helping people that, uh, you know, kind of need some assistance. And I've been really, uh, you know, blessed to have opportunities to meet people that are teaching me things about the human condition, the human experience. And I, for whatever reason, have been able to help them understand themselves more, be a great mirror for them, particularly with the stuff with the children with autism. It's been really interesting to step into that realm. When I look at it, it's uh, a lot of family troubles, uh, a lot of uh, 
parents that are in a hard spot and they don't know how to get out of there, but then you can't get out of there. And then kids that are in a hard spot, but also they can't even communicate that they're in a hard spot. The only way they can communicate is through action and energy and feeling and emotion. And they can't speak and they can't use their muscles and do things properly, but they're in pain. They know that they're causing a lot of pain to other people for the way that they're born. And I think they feel bad about that. And I've been able to kind of be like uh, some sort of like, I don't know, just a truth teller when I go into these home environments, because these kids will be doing things that make so much sense to me. But to the parents, they're like, oh, I hate that they do that. For example, uh, the kids like to, you know, eat their food and spit it back out into the bowl. And they do that over and over again. They have a big bowl of food with potatoes and lettuce and fruits and pasta all in it. And they're holding this big bowl and they keep putting the fruits in their mouth and spitting it all out over and over again onto the meal. And the parents are like, we're trying to get him to stop doing this. Like, you got any ideas? Like, we're trying to get him. He just does it over and over and over again. And, uh... I was like, well, let me, uh, let me, let me tell you something. I think these kids with autism, I think they have a, a deeper connection with the natural condition of a human than we do because people, because they are unable to conceptualize a lot of this technology that we've created for ourselves to be able to communicate and create outcomes that we want. They don't really have access to that. So imagine living in a time before technology where you're sitting down and you want to make a salad. You have a bunch of lettuce in front of you and you have a bunch of fruit in front of you. How would you make dressing without any tools? These kids, they put the fruit in their mouth and they spit it all out into the salad and mix it all up together. And it makes like a kind of a dressing <laughs> and it's really smart. And I tell them that and the kids like they hear my energy when I say that they don't hear the words, but they hear that my intention and understanding of them and they'll react. They'll kind of like hit me or whatever. Like they'll kind of give like, hey, this guy's talking about something. Uh, so it's just been able to kind of help parents because the parents get so anxious, like, oh, I want them to stop doing this. I don't want them to do this. I don't want them to get naked and run outside or do all these different things. But it's like they want you to try to, you know, kind of connect and understand them. And like they're human and they're struggling. And sometimes they feel this way. They feel like naked almost or disconnected from the world and exposed. And, and, and they're trying to express that in so many different ways through their food, through their drink, through their art, through their learning. Uh, it's really a beautiful thing, but you have to look at the details of it. So that's what I've been doing, just pulling up to houses. We do all sorts of fun stuff. We make puppet shows with the kids. We teach them about the uniqueness of all animals and how they all have like specific struggles as well. The giraffe is kind of insecure because he's got a long neck or uh, the bald eagle is kind of insecure because he's bald. Uh, you know, There's all these different things going on in nature that you can actually personify with puppets and teach kids that... It's okay to be different. It's okay to have this. There's actually always beauty to be found in each person. And something about that energy, I think, really resonates with them. And so we've seen, we're like filming a documentary around it right now. We've seen a lot of change uh, subscribing to uh, kind of studying human behavior and how gratitude, no matter what it is, gratitude can be applied and seeing how that affects the energy of the people around in that environment. Uh, so that's something we've been doing. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty exciting and it feels good too. So it's, it's nice all around. There was something that you, you said that really stood out that I want to dive into a minute for a second. And it was the, the parents resistance mm -hmm. to the child behavior. Mm -hmm. They want them to stop doing one thing and start doing another thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense of what you were describing where 
these autistic children are incredibly empathetic and incredibly sensitive. Mm-hmm. And, and they are trying to just essentially express themselves guilt-free. Mm-hmm. And the parents want to try to control the situation. Mm-hmm. They do want to try to fix the situation. Mm-hmm. Do this, don't do this. Mm-hmm. You bring a different energy. Mm-hmm. And there's a softening that takes place mm-hmm. that creates an allowance for mm-hmm. them to be who they are. Mm-hmm. And then ironically, that's almost like the key that opens up the door to this desired behavior, mm-hmm. I, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. And But you don't go in there and try and fix it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just, you know, something that's been coming up a lot for me and my clients has been the notion between being solutions oriented. Mm-hmm. What's the problem? Let's fix it. Mm-hmm which is how we're conditioned to operate in the business world and in life. Mm-hmm. It comes from the old uh, mind that was living during scarcity, mm-hmm. where we didn't have the luxury to do anything other than fix problems, because if we didn't fix these problems, we would die. Mm-hmm. And so we see that continuously happening, especially in situations like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, what's, but we don't live in those times anymore. Mm-hmm. And... Oftentimes when we try to fix something, there's this force energy that's applied that leads to an undesirable outcome or doesn't lead to the outcome that we want at all. But when we give something space and allow it to breathe, and and the way that I've been articulating this is like when when noticing when I'm in resistance to something Mm -hmm. and noticing when I might be afraid of something. In November, I went through a professional uh, breakup with my business partners. Mm. And then I went through a romantic separation two weeks later. Sheesh. Uh, yeah, it, it stirred up a lot of thorns, Man. a lot of disruption. And when I found myself on my hands and knees, sobbing and crying, I found myself in fear. Mm. Fear of, am I going to get what I want in life? Mm. Am I going to be successful on my own? Mm. Am I going to find the romantic partner that I want? And mm. there's this big fear that I won't. Mm. And instead of trying to tell myself, fix that fear or don't be afraid, mm-hmm. what, I, what I've been practicing through this like notion of surrender is giving myself the opportunity to give, to create a relationship to the awareness that I'm afraid in that moment. Mm. And just creating a sense of separation there mm-hmm. of like, ah, okay, I see that and I'm afraid and I'm human. I'm going through loss mm. and it's okay to be afraid. Mm. And I don't have to fix that today. Yeah. I get to just be with that. Yeah. And instead of trying to solve it and be solutions oriented, I just give it space. Mm-hmm. And already there's a softening that takes place mm-hmm. that allows me to open up. And, and it's a healing process. Time heals all pain, right? Yeah. But it's, 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 I found that there's a grace sure. that happens in my life when I catch the resistance and don't try and change it. Mm-hmm. When I catch the fear and I don't try and change it. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw a little bit of a mirror reflection of that in, in, in this description you talked about and how you deal with these children. And I'm mm-hmm. just curious how you would articulate that, that difference of like when the parents are trying to fix something in the child and you approach it from a different, mm-hmm. what it, what, how would you describe that? Um, well, the first thing is like, if you look at, like for instance, the Gottman Institute, which they study relationships and what makes a relationship thrive and what makes a relationship struggle, their number one rule, the first one on the top of their list of like the difference between a relationship that lasts and doesn't last is the difference between criticism 
giving criticism or giving feedback. If you give criticism, that's an issue because you're making someone feel alienated, alone on an island. There's a problem with you. You need to fix it by yourself. Nobody likes that. Living in this free country, you don't want to be restricted by anyone or anything or in this uh, experience of life. You don't want to feel like you have something bad about you and you need to fix it by yourself. That's a very alienating way to do it. But on the opposite contrast, this is what everyone wants is feedback. Feedback is a team effort. Like I see that you're struggling. I'm not going to say I see that you're struggling. I'm going to say I'm struggling right now understanding what's going on with this. Could we work on this together? And that energy, it's like a little bit more pure. It's like it's calling for a connection. It's calling for there's a problem that we both can solve together. Wouldn't that be really cool? And that just feels so much better because no one wants to be pointed at. But if you say, hey, I'm struggling trying to understand like how to eat better and understand, you know, how to get more in tune with nature and my natural self. Is this something that we could learn together? That energy uh, is reciprocated. And yeah, let's do it, you know, instead of, oh, like you just see the worst in me and want me to fix something about myself by myself. Like that just feels icky. And so that's how I would like kind of dwindle it down to today. Uh, I try to, even when I'm going through an experience that's hard, kind of like you were mentioning with like a relationship or a business relationship, when that falls out, kind of personify this experience, like it's a a human or something or an animal and say, this experience sucks. That is criticism. This experience is making me feel like I need to start a new path in my life in different ways and really figure out what I want to do in business, what I want to do in my personal world. How can I look at this situation and work with it as a team to figure out this new uh, challenge and then figure out how to solve it together with myself and use those lessons from that to allow me to actually use that for uh, you know growth and understanding and to maybe uh, you have some hindsight that now can be opened up because of these experiences, but you cannot be criticizing that experience because you're, you're kind of being mean to yourself. Oh, how could I be in business with that person after all that? Or how could I have dated that person? And then it ended like that. That's criticism, you know? And uh, I, I just, I, I try to push families and people to uh, give more feedback, less criticism. No one likes that even in the media today, you know, any, anyone that's being mean, you know, you would stand up for yourself, but start taking your life conditions as a, you know, you are a self going through this. So you need to be uh, someone with feedback and not someone that's just trying to push you down and say, go figure it out yourself by yourself. And you're good. Like, no, no one wants that these days. We, we're, we're longing for collaboration and we already feel alone enough. We don't need to feel more alone through criticism, you know? I hear you, man. I think that the new paradigm we're living in is so much more about the collective. It's so mm-hmm. much more about we, not me mm-hmm. or you. And in and, and, and that example that you provided, it's like the criticism is really like you, 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 you. Mm-hmm. I got you. Mm-hmm. Like you did something wrong. Let me mm-hmm. point out and that and be critical on you. Mm-hmm. But but the the feedback, there's this energy of we. Mm-hmm. It's It's, hey, there's an opportunity for growth here. There's an opportunity here. Uh, for a teaching moment and, mm-hmm. and we're in this together mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and, and it, it's such a subtle shift in energy but where mm-hmm. you come from and the intention mm-hmm. I, I think to your point these autistic children feel that collective energy definitely they that, love it that togetherness right who doesn't love it it doesn't matter and they show it too man i mean it's really cool because you know these kids they don't make eye contact they like that's part of the, a lot of these like they can't even communicate with like making eye contact but there's certain things that we say when there's like a we movement going on mm. between all of us where they'll make eye contact with one of us. We got a lot of this on footage in our documentary 
and other things too, like if you're going to, if, if you want to really make it a even more pleasurable experience, it's uh, body language and all these things are super important. So I always purposefully make myself be smaller than them. So I'll sit on the floor, crisscross applesauce and look up at them and talk about the we that we could work on. And those little subtle movements too, where I'm not standing over you and saying, we need to fix this, you know, not being like, because you got to think about what is that person's point of view right now? They want to feel like they're bigger and someone just has a good idea that we could work on together and let's fix it. And I do that with my tone of voice, my inflection, you know, I want it to be a little bit higher pitched. I don't want it to, I want it to be something soft. And I get good feedback from the kids saying, oh, I really love the experience of, you know, hearing your voice and connecting you with on on these things. Uh, some of them are verbal and some of them are more just sharing with a, a big hug or, uh, you know, picking you up or, uh, you know, you might get lucky. They might squeeze you around the neck. They're not trying to hurt you. They're just trying to make you feel like you got something good to say. Let that stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, they're such wise teachers mm -hmm. um, because they may not, we may not be able to connect with them in the way that we normally connect with one another through our words because they process things intellectually differently mm -hmm. than we do. Mm -hmm. But what I took away from what you just shared is that they're so energy sensitive. Mm -hmm. They're so dialed into energy frequency and the, on the emotional level. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that's off, they feel that. Yeah. You might be saying one thing, but they energetically can feel where you're actually coming from. Mm -hmm. And what a mirror of the, what, what a mirror to show us our incongruency mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, just where there's maybe discord inside of us because they'll only connect with like a purity, mm -hmm. right? Uh, pure intentions within ourselves. And, you know, what actually predicated this whole conversation is a conversation we had at that gratitude dinner about, you know, inner child healing, mm -hmm. healing the child, the inner child wound. Mm. And, and, and this notion of sensitivity that you and I share, mm -hmm. sensitivity that these autistic children share. And I think that's a huge reason why you connect with them. And as well as I've had a, a few handful of experiences with autistic children. And I, I feel what you what you're talking about there, mm -hmm. where it's like. Less said is more, but mm. the body language and the energy you bring into that mm -hmm. that that container with them it really makes a big difference. And mm -hmm. I, I'd love to hear about kind of your discovery of your level of sensitivity and what the dark side of that was for you growing up, and and how sure. you've been able to navigate through that journey because I know it can be a lot. And definitely, I'd love to just hear about the healing that you've taken play you've you've, you've taken yourself through and and what you've learned about that. Yeah, it's uh they call it HSPs. I think I'm definitely fit the description of a HSP, a highly sensitive person. And uh, it's tough, but also amazing because I think you see beauty more in color. I'm actually colorblind, but I see, I think I feel things when I see things that uh, are a little bit more uh, definitive. And being a kid growing up, it was, uh, it was a weird time growing up. I think a lot of people are like all oh, those darn Gen Zers and their TikTok and all this stuff, but like, I mean, really, I was born in 1997. My first memory was in 2001 on September 11th, like seeing like fire and craziness go down and not understanding. Like this is my introduction to life. Like, here you go, buddy. Like here's a fiery uh, collapse of towers and people screaming and emotional and crying. And they're playing that for us as kids. So that, that was like, hey, here you go, buddy. Intro introduction. Uh, and, you know, I had some experiences. I had a a grandma, when I was around that time, that age as well, she uh, she was super suicidal and de like just major depression. She had gotten in a car wreck in uh, 1988, about nine years before, that gave her a heart attack. She 
had a really hard time healing from it and just kind of lost herself. And uh, she would hang out with me as a kid and always remember this story of she, she would always tell me, and this really affected me, kind of traumatized me as a child, her telling me this story. But basically she would, uh, she told me that we were hanging out in the front yard one day in Memphis where I was growing up and we were hanging out and just the feeling of grass and the smell, everything. I was just so excited for everything, taking my shoes off, enjoying the ground, enjoying the sky, enjoying the birds. Uh, and we were just having fun blowing bubbles and doing stuff. And she was really depressed at the time. And she she really loved how excited I was to see all these things. And something stuck out to her when the ice cream man, the sound of the ice cream man hit, you know, when you're a kid, like you just like, it's like God coming down from earth, the savior or something like, a, oh my gosh, this is amazing. All these bright, beautiful colors and flavors and all sorts of stuff. And I just got so excited about that. And uh, she kind of uh, introduced me to, hey, like when that happened, that helped me realize the little things in life are so important. And every single moment you have an opportunity to love something. And it got me out of my depression. You doing that. So she always kind of made sure that I knew that I helped her with that, which I wasn't had no control over that. But she, uh, yeah, she actually like, ended up living like much longer. She passed away about like four or five months ago, but it was like, it was a really interesting time to see her kind of come alive and, and, and be this sweet, beautiful person. She started loving things again. And, uh, you know, God bless her. She was someone that really helped me, but growing up, I had all these influences like in this kind of manner. Uh, but then being hypersensitive too, I think you pick up on a lot of the things your parents are doing too. Um, you know, my mom, she was super focused on, you know, I, I want to become a nurse. Like I could remember this when I'm about seven or eight years old. So my mom would either be at work at late at night or working on, you know, getting her degree to become a nurse. And then my dad was just always working and all this stuff, but just come to realize that I'm picking up, you know, all these different traits and character traits of these people as a young one. And like we were talking about with, you know, children with autism, they, they pick up on things and they want to express themselves in certain ways. And I think that that comes true for every child. When you grow up, you are absorbing everything. And, you know, you hear about these kind of experiments where you find this in nature, where you take a beautiful house plant and you put it in a room that's kind of dark and you play, you know, death metal music and it starts to dwindle away and look all funky and weird. But if you put in a nice sunlit room and play classical music all day, it grows super fast and does all these different things. And I think humans have that uh, kind of uh, version where we're, we are exposed to this type of life music and people and love and all these different things. And we're able to uh, kind of just become that, you know, a, a, a image of that. And then we can kind of start taking control and, and steering that. Uh, but it's that, man. I could go on for days about the inner child and just like life experiences and stuff, but I definitely feel like I, as soon as I started seeing like nine 11 thinking about suicide and that's a thing and all these other real things that happen, you know, I would sit down a lot and I would like close my eyes, try to fall asleep at night. And I would just battle with the idea of infinity. Like what the hell is this life experience? And like infinity, forever because we die but like what is that like what is that forever and it almost would like drown me like I would just be laying in bed just like thinking like oh if this grandparent dies I'll never see them again forever and I would just like try to fight that that dark black hole of infinity that kind of exists in the ever-expanding universe and I uh would really toy with that and that was really hard for me to figure out alignment with 
And, you know, I also kind of experienced like that deep infinity when it comes to pleasure too. And I would I often say that's where uh, orgasms, I think, come in as a kid. You just find that, that you can orgasm and you have this like shell shock of like euphoria that comes <laughs> literally. And it's like, a, <laughs> it's a whole thing too. And so that's like an infinite, like, Ooh, this feels good. And it goes away or whatever, but it's the same thing where it's like, you look at infinity and it's like, Ooh, this sucks. This literally sucks. This is suffocating. Like this is terrible. And, you know, playing around with all these things, you know, mortality and immortality and, and all these ideas. And then you're going to church every day as a kid and they're telling you all about these saints and, you were kind of talking about how you could kind of sense when things were off with people before we started recording, recording, like you could just sense, like, is it time for me to step into doing a podcast? It's not time yet. And I could tell like in my chest, I call it my GPS, my God positioning system. It was like, listen to these words, but don't like adopt them all and make them home. Like these are just things that you need to learn, but not need to adopt and become a way of life. And I've uh, kind of challenged myself now to kind of be a sponge to all cultures I think that that is the beauty of living in the time like today where you can hop on an airplane, you can hop in Airbnbs, you can make friends online and stay at their crib, wherever. Like You can start absorbing and being exposed to all of the world today. And that's kind of what I've kind of made myself, you know, as I've healed myself, it's been like the more you're healing your inner self, the more doors are opening for the the entire world to welcome you into a cool experience. So getting to go to Israel, getting to go to Egypt, getting to go to you know, all these places I never thought I'd be and being able to connect with people in a very real way and see the human condition has been really driving me. And so I take that sensitivity as an instrument and I bring it with me and I absorb and I reflect back and I just see the best in it and I reflect back and uh, I see the worst in it and I reflect back and then I come to a, a means of this is where the contrast is perfect. Because so, sometimes you don't want your screen on full brightness or, you know, or too dark, you know, you just want to find a contrast, but you need to experience that uh, rose and the, you know, the pricks on the, on the stem there, like to know like, okay, where is the sweet spot? Actually just holding the rose in the right place and being able to smell it is nice. And you don't have to touch the the thorns, but you know, they're there for a lesson and you've made that mistake before. And so you hold that forever, but also you got this smell that you can hold on to and remember forever. Even if it dissipates, it's still going to be with you. And so just learning all these lessons through life, man. And trying to just be a student of the student of the earth school is the big old floating orb we're, we're all sharing and get to go wherever we want and learn about whatever we want and have fun doing it and use the internet as your sidekick. And <laughs> that, that does something to your sensitivity. I'll tell you that I could get into as well, but there's something about uh, a relationship with the internet that helps you uh, discover what makes you feel, you know, you watch different things and they make you feel certain ways and, pretty cool and i think that was a big part probably about 40 percent of my uh, childhood once i was 13 like being sensitive in a psychological environment like a cyberspace or whatever they call it um so yeah man just living every day could uh, you just sparked a lot of curiosity about that uh-huh. being in the gen z uh-huh. generation you you know, and, and for me being a millennial there, I was in the transition generation. I remember what it was like before the internet. Mm-hmm. I remember what it was like before smartphones. Uh, I remember the pain of dial up and, and, <laughs> and VCRs and, and, and you entered into the world. You went through puberty with a tremendous access to information that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. What, how has technology and the internet, how do you just, describe your journey through 
how that's played a role in your development. And mm. you started kind of connecting a dot to, you know, I'm a really highly sensitive person. Mm-hmm. And, and you said something really interesting about that, like in, technology almost enhanced that for mm-hmm. you. Can you talk about the role that technology and, and internet has played in your journey and, and maybe even in your healing process, if that, yeah. if there's truth to that? I'm yeah, really definitely, curious. definitely. I, uh, the internet is a visualizer for uh, what's going on and what you want to feel. And uh, I remember I was 13 years old and my parents were getting divorced and that was a really hard thing for me. Uh, I was a snoopy tech savvy kid. So I was very uh, finding things that uh, were inappropriate and like, oh, my dad's not with my mom. He's got this lady or whatever. I had all these different things going on and realizing like, dang, my my parents that I love so much, I literally went to their wedding, uh, you know, as a one, two year old. uh, And now I'm like a part of their divorce. I was the reason that they came together because they had a kid on a accident on purpose or whatever. Uh, and that was me. And I sat in that, uh, that space. But once I got divorced, that really hurt me a lot. My mom ended up moving into apartment and later moving like kind of like an hour away from my dad. So that was tough. And something about the internet gave me a sense of comfort that was just unbelievable because my housing situation of being at my dad's and my mom's was always shifting and uncomfortable and weird and couldn't make much sense of it. And it just hurt me a lot. But as soon as I could get on the screen, like a iPad, or, you know, my phone, it's like a comfortable place and you got friends there and you got all sorts of stuff there. And when I was 13, I got really, really good at being anonymous because I was kind of a, a, a someone that didn't like being seen. I felt insecure about a lot of things, but I was really funny, really witty, super class clown type of dude, uh, super probably inappropriate and said a bunch of things I didn't shouldn't say as a kid, you know, just all sorts of stuff, trying to figure out all this, this jazz. And... Uh, Basically, I start making all these meme pages on Twitter back in 2011, 2012. And uh, this was kind of a new concept. No one was really doing this. Very few people, a handful of people were doing this at a time uh, at that time. And so I would make these pages where it wasn't like, oh, here's Johnny Rap, you know, my name. Here's, a, you know, a different thing. Like, here's like true but funny jokes that are only true and funny, uh, you know, and like. I had like at crib where it was like cool houses and I had like Phil Werrell. It was like a Will Ferrell parody page. So basically I started taking on all these personas online and being able to express myself and entertain people and make them just get little hits of happiness or interest or excitement from the stuff I was posting. And, you know, I had millions of people watching my stuff. So I was getting feedback too. That was the big thing too. I was getting feedback instantly. Wasn't getting feedback from my parents. I was hearing and seeing a lot of criticism. But online, I was getting a lot of good feedback. Post something, can read the impressions, who's liking it, how many people are liking it, and what amount of time. Ooh, this is doing good. Ooh, this isn't doing as good as the last one. Fix, repeat, all these different things. And so I I got really good at communicating at things online and and really tapping into that. And I uh, met a bunch of friends that were doing the same thing. So like I had all these pages that were all influential and I would meet another person online who had all these pages behind the scenes that were all in, uh, influential. And we just become friends because it's like no one really understands like that this is a lifestyle and you can make money doing it. You can just post memes all day and get paid to promote things and send traffic to websites and make trends happen and all sorts of stuff. And so I, I took my hypersensitivity uh, kind of away from the physical world and I was like just injecting it into social media and having my hypersensitivity, I like making people laugh. I like making people be entertained and interested. So I'm going to do that in every way that I can. 
And uh, it it really provided me a lot of healing as a child. I felt very uh, unseen, but I, online I felt very seen. But I, I, as I've moved on through this, I've started to realize, you know, memes are great. Memes are the most popular thing in the world today. People are experiencing more memes than they're experiencing music. Some people are seeing more memes than they're seeing plants every day. Say most people are. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but to be at the kind of cusp at the beginning of that, this modern day propaganda machine of what is memes, that was kind of like my driver and my driving force. And man, it was cool. It's the reason why I'm here today. I'm sitting on this couch today. Probably a lot of it was really crazy. But what's been interesting for me is getting into this new concept called cyber psychology, which I think is a very underestimated subject that needs to be looked at more there needs to be more money put into it, I think, or more like resources of people realizing like, yeah, study psychology, but the sweet spot right now is cyber psychology. Cause if I'm spending eight hours a day on this working and connecting with friends, me personally, you know, people are doing it four to six days on average or, or four to six hours on average. How is that affecting us? How is that affecting how you see the world, how you see plants, how you see people, you know, what are you doing? And I, uh, I'm kind of obsessed with this and trying to figure out the truth in it because here lies everything that exists in the visual universe. You can literally see the universe on here if you want. Anything you want to look up, if it doesn't exist, create it in five seconds with AI or whatever. Like You just create whatever. It's Everything exists there. And so your relationship to that and how it gives you the relationship to this computer of a world that we're in where it's got its interneural networks and mycelium and roots and all sorts of stuff feeding each other and giving each other information and passing all this stuff. It's we're, we've created our own nature with this technology that allows us to visualize things quicker. And I think it's doing something spiritually. I think it's doing something visually. I think the visual experience of spirituality is becoming more definitive because you're able to experience more. So you're able to pull from more resources and more visualizers when you come to a psychedelic trip or you know whatever it may be like you you start to maybe be able to piece pieces together a little bit more interestingly um so that's been something i've been super into but yeah cyber psychology anyone out there like this guy john suler kind of coined the term and uh it's super super powerful potent information when it comes to how are people using their computer and what does that say about them how are people using their phones and what does that say about them there are uh kind of points that you can make about people based off of how they're spending time online and not who they are as a full person, but who they are in that moment more so and what they're going through. And um, it was funny. I had this lady come through to one of my spaces. Uh, She was from Virginia. She's an art therapist. And I didn't even know that was a thing, but I met her and she was telling me what she does for work. I was like, what is that? That sounds fascinating. There's art therapy. I've tried all sorts of therapy. I never heard of art therapy. And she's like, oh, well, basically it's like a big art classroom and it's just me in there. And uh, we have all sorts of stuff that you can make and create, whatever, paper, all the goods, cardboard, whatever you need. You just go in there, you start picking what you want and you just create with her. You don't have to talk about anything, but something about you being creative and telling yourself, I am an artist. I am creating something right now. I am making something right now. I am using this medium and this format to do this. It, it, she has the ability to really understand you as a person just through what you're choosing to do with this art, with this kind of wide scale of what you can choose from. And the internet, I wanted to like kind of get into something like that where it's like, 
I don't know if it'd be like AI art therapy or something like that, where it's like, come on into my office, like, let's use the internet together and let's figure out, you know, what what's interesting to you and all sorts of stuff. But also maybe get to know each other a little bit more through us having fun and creating things in a more immersive way. Um, so yeah, I'm just playing around with different ideas like that. I think these these things need to be looked at more because uh, technology is shaping our society uh, one way or another. And we got to figure out what those mechanics look like and figure out how we can uh, help kids kind of align with it. Because there hasn't been really a rule book with it yet. It's or like some sort of thing. It's just kind of like, here you go, three-year-old, here's an iPad with the endless amount of information and anything you can see. You could accidentally find porn as I did when I was like seven, or you could accidentally, you know, find uh, the newest, coolest idea that makes you a millionaire or whatever. It's all, it's all cool, but you gotta, I don't know, there needs to be more of a serious uh, approach to this. And uh, I'm still in the process of figuring out what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really love the arc of that share. You just talked about a lot of really incredible things. You know, part of the theme of this Think Out Loud podcast is raw wisdom mm-hmm. and authentic inspiration. Mm. I define raw wisdom as 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 perspective that one's learns through their life experience. Mm. There's a difference between what we we learn in books and what we learn in life. Mm. And you know, you talked a lot about your time as a child being exposed to technology and information and how that played a very active role in your self-expression into the world, mm. in your healing. And we live in a time where people perceive the internet, perceive artificial intelligence, especially with the advent of chat GBT mm-hmm. as this dark side of like, we're becoming less human or we're losing our humanness mm-hmm. or we're losing connection. And your raw wisdom, your authentic experience has actually proven the complete opposite, that it's mm-hmm. actually enhanced your human experience, mm-hmm. connection to yourself, connection to other people. Mm-hmm. And while it may, not, we, we, we fear when it's screen to screen, we fear when it's not in person and in person. Mm-hmm. And yet what the pandemic taught me starting my coaching business is that you, one can experience heart to heart, soul to soul connection and not even be face to face with someone else. <laughs> it, connection happens at the speed of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And when we really express ourselves and have the means to do so as a result of technology, your journey was healing. It also allowed you to speak yourself into the world in unique and creative and artistic ways, which probably helped harness your artistry. Mm. And, and you were able to make meaningful use out of that. Mm. Um, and in return, receive financial compensation. Not that that's the reason why we do it, but mm. there's a, there's, you're now creating a lifestyle as an artist through simply being who you are. Mm. What a time to be alive, <laughs> to have access to a resource like the internet, to, to be able to do that. And I think that for the listeners, it's just an important thing to really like channel this man's energy and really feel a sense of like, wow, there's like, not only is there hope, there's a reality to how the advent of things like technology enhance our, our humanness and enhance human connection. Mm-hmm. And the arc of your story is really beautiful because you went through this experience. It was incredibly beneficial and you got even more curious. Mm-hmm. You started researching cyber psychology and, and you ended your story with this notion of like, what is the intersection between technology and connection? Mm-hmm. What is there a way, how is there a way that I, in my own, in your own mission, in your own purpose, how, where, where, is the, where is the crossroads there where you can continue to make this more accessible to other people? Definitely. So other people can look at it through that lens. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think that's really incredible. Um, you know, again, we don't have to have the answers right away, but when we ask the right questions, mm-hmm. we eventually get the right answers. Definitely. You know, where, where focus goes, energy flows. And it's, I think, <laughs> flowing into an optim, flowing through, I should say, looking at artificial intelligence 
looking at technology with the filtered lens of how is this creating more connection for us mm. is something that I think the listeners would be really behooved to, to reflect on mm-hmm. and reflect on in their own life and how can it enhance whatever their expression is. And they don't have to necessarily be artists per se, mm-hmm. but I, I ironically think that we're all artists. We're all creators Definitely. of something. Definitely. It doesn't matter whether we're doctors, scientists, lawyers, accountants, you know, painters, musicians, coaches. We all have our form of art because Definitely. everything comes from an idea and ideas are created inside of us. Yep. And when we can tap into that sense of creativity and when we can tap into that, the interconnectedness of all of this energy and this life force that binds all things, mm-hmm. that creates all things. Um, I was listening to Rick Rubin talk about if you have an idea and you don't create it, someone else is going to create that <laughs> idea. Not because they stole it from you, but because we are all connected in the age of ideas. Definitely. And I, I just get really passionate as, one, as you guys can hear yeah. and feel about <laughs> the time that we're living in, about your generation as Gen Z uh, the access to information that you guys have had and, and a result, mm-hmm. how you've been able to internalize and learn so much, so much faster than, than, than me, who's 34, born in, in, in 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm just so inspired by you and your generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way that I want to turn the corner now into the conversation is I want to almost get into kind of like practical. Sure. Um, uh, I, I love the backstory. I love the philosophy. I love the raw wisdom and the authentic inspiration. And I always like to s- dilute that down as best as possible for the audience so they can walk away with a sense of like, well, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. How do I integrate this? Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit more about your healing journey and talk about what were some key things that you did Mm. that really propelled you through the healing journey that helped you address the challenge thing that you went through as a child, mm. helped you process the emotion of what you felt back then. And, and what was the, almost like the reparenting that you had to put yourself through mm. as you were navigating through your healing journey? And if you have a story there or a tool, yeah. I'd love to just like, you know, have, have you speak that out really quick. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a lovely, lovely, lovely lady that you guys can check out that she, uh, Basically, it's been helping people heal their inner child for the past 30, 40 years. She's helped thousands of people do this. Uh, she has this book called Care Frontation. Um, it was a book that was gifted to me by this man named Alex Park, a really amazing, creative kind of uh, Jedi type of dude. But he uh, gave me this book and he was like, man, this is, uh, he was hearing a lot of the struggles I was going through. And he's like, a lot of this comes from inner child stuff, you know, and it gets really deep in that rabbit hole. And he gave me this carefrontation book and he told me to do it. So the book is more of a, uh, it's a book and reading and understanding, but it's uh, prompts you to test yourself and figure out where a lot of your pain came from as you journal and ha- kind of start having a conversation with your inner child. I think in our society today we call our ego like that inner voice in our head that we're trying to like make ourselves be cool or understand who we are so we create an ego uh she kind of did a really good job of saying no that inner voice is your inner child communicating to you and you need to have a communication back with it that's very loving and what needs to happen is you need to figure out where you got messed up and hurt as a child and you need to kind of go back and step in those times as your inner child and your older, wiser self now and be the adult that you needed to be. So you do all sorts of exercises in the book, Carefrontation. It tells you to uh, do one thing. It's a great exercise anyone can do right now. You could write down a message with intention to your inner child with your right hand or whatever your dominant hand is. And you write it down. 
you know, hey, how's it going? You know, something very simple. And then with your non-dominant hand, you're going to write and you're going to ask your inner child to write how they're feeling or how they're doing with that left hand. And it does something to your brain where it activates a different part of your brain that you don't use often. And the handwriting is so terrible unless you're like ambidextrous, but, uh, you know, it's so terrible that you see it as like a kindergartner. It's like an inner child is having a kind of like, I don't even know, like a seance or something. It's like communicating through you and coming out of you. It's really weird. Uh, And I did that. I'd start crying on the paper, start having a conversation and really getting to know my inner child. But I think that the biggest, most important thing that I've had to learn is for some reason, our society hasn't taught us how to love ourselves, trust ourselves, honor ourselves, and value ourselves. We haven't been taught that. We've been taught to do that to, you know, the United States of America, love the flag, value the flag, trust the flag, you know, honor it, you know, in every way that you can. But they don't teach you to look in the mirror and to do that. And I think that a lot of your inner child healing is really starting to express that that expression to yourself. So you know what it feels like to love yourself and honor yourself and trust yourself. And just having that dialogue where it's like, oh, you're in trouble. I love you. I trust you. I honor you. I value you. I'm going to sit here and give you feedback and we're going to work on this together uh, and fix this. Because I think a lot of people, what's going on in their heads is they're having these conversations where it's just like, this voice won't go away. It's screaming and yelling. I hate it. And it's so hard. And I've been there, you know, and it's just like, oh, you just want to scream, you know, but really there's a just a little kid in you that hasn't received the right love that needs to have the right words spoken to him or her. And that's like been something that's really helped me with Arlene's book. And she, she really is like five star therapist. Like she calls herself the end to all therapy. Cause a lot of people are going into therapy, like keep having these problems pop up with my lover or with my business or all these different things. And you'll start to see that a lot of those issues are, resurfacing feelings from when you were experiencing something from your parents or from how your parents were reacting to money or reacting to their work. You picked up all these things and you sponged them out and they're not healthy for you and they're kind of toxic and they're killing your dream and killing your creativity. And you got to walk yourself over to these problems and say, we're going to go stand up to this and we're going to do it together and we're going to heal from it. And uh, yeah, that's that's been something that's been really helpful for me in healing um, that book has allowed me to really connect with people in a more raw way. I've understood, I've understood what is wrong with me. You know, Carl Jung calls it the shadow self, you know, I like to see it as, uh, you know, the earth that we live on, we're made up of the earth and the earth has a moon that has its phases of darkness and brightness. And those are your emotions. A lot of people say, and you go through these flows and strengths and energy and you yourself can kind of, uh, understand that you're going to go through phases of darkness to learn about who you are and emotionally kind of take a voyage around the solar system of your inner space. Um, And you need to have a good relationship with yourself. And if you can love yourself and trust yourself and value yourself, your whole world shifts because you will start meeting people that are on that same vibration of valuing, loving, trusting, and honoring themselves where you'll also be able to speak the language of how to honor others and love others and trust others. But it starts with them because we have parts of us that are really like not being loved by ourselves. And we need to learn to love those things because every person you meet has something that uh, they're struggling with and you're going to have to be put to the test and learn that you've got to love them through all these hard times. And it's best for you to, to do that. And 
Yeah, man, I've been having this mantra every single day. They call it the breath of life, but I just tell myself, I love myself. I honor myself. I trust myself. I value myself, not in an egotistical way, but because I'm always with me. And so I need to have a good dialogue with myself. And it's almost like an instant tool. Whenever I feel myself kind of going down a dark mental pathway, no, 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 that doesn't feel good. The GPS, the God positioning system in my heart feels bad when I'm thinking about that. Go back to the mantra. I love myself. I trust myself. I value myself. I honor myself. And I swear it does something to you where you want to do that to everyone else. And that's where, you know, Dale Carnegie, I've been studying communication. It's been a thing because I've been having a hard time communicating. I grew up on online and so I could communicate in 240 characters or less, but not much else. Uh, and so I've been studying books like, you know, the great uh, how to win friends and influence people. But a lot of people don't know there's how to win friends and influence people in the digital age, which is that second copy rendition uh, released in like 2013 on how to win friends and influence people with this technology right next to you, which is a great book to kind of listen to and give you some ideas. But uh, my favorite quote is you can make more friends in two weeks being genuinely interested in other people than you can in two years trying to get everyone to be interested in you. And I, I think about that all the time when I'm trying to be interesting. I'm going to the party. I want to look cool. I want to, you know, stand out with my vibe and all this stuff. But it's like, that's not what it's about. You're not going to get the most out of feeling that way. I think the best people are the ones that are just so curious and interested and can look at anyone and see them as a beautiful person and be curious in them, be interested in them. And it creates this vortex. People want to be interested in you. And, you know, a lot of us struggle, I think, with being alone, these these harmful words we're saying to ourselves, and we get in these really deep depression pits. And I've been there so many times. I want to kill myself so many times. It's been a hard life and a half for me being sensitive, living in this world. But one by one by one, I've been able to figure out what is that inner dialogue and story I want to tell myself? And what is the story of how I want to interact with other people? And be really real with that. And honestly, uh, everyone agrees, all religions agree that do you think heaven or whatever your concept of heaven is, has love? Everyone says yes. So that's a pillar right there. And my symbol of love is the sun because it's this ever glowing orb that's giving us love and nutrients and plants and food and our existence and warmth and all things that we need. So whenever I see the sun, a reflection in the sun, a sun glaring off of something, I try my best to just be reminded that there are things to love around me. What am I doing? I need to calm my nerves. I need to be open. I need to not criticize what's going on around me. I need to be open to feedback to everything. And you start looking around, you connect with everything around you in a loving way, in a valuable way, in an honorable way, in a way that just feels good to your experience. I don't want you to heal yourself because it's going to hurt you. I want you to heal yourself because it makes your life better and feel better. And just like healing a broken leg, sometimes we just got broken minds and broken experiences that we got to go back and heal. And we're the best doctor for it because we know what's going on. And, uh, you know, these, these types of tools are so essential to today. Being able to have a healthy conversation with yourself that's loving is not ego. It's not ego. It's the most loving thing you could do to, for everyone. If you know how to love yourself in every version of yourself, in every direction of yourself, how are you going to behave to other people? You're going to do the exact same thing. You're going to love them in every direction of yourself. That's what we want. And opportunities go from this small to the size of the universe if you start loving everything that's in it. And, you know, we had things happen to us when we were young and it's like, 
terrible things. You know, I've, I've had so many people come to me. I've just had the worst things, but it's like, you got to think about it. Like you want to have a good experience in this life. Do you agree? Yes. You love love. Yes. Okay. Let's figure out a way to make that your inner dialogue. And let's figure out a way where that got hurt and wounded. And let's put a cast on that bad boy and let's fix that thing. And, and let's have you be the one to put the cast on. And so you are the one that feels accomplished. You know, just as you were saying, like, okay, finally, it's time. Like, it is time to heal yourself. It is time to be able to look in the mirror. Not many people can do this. Well, go look in the mirror and with all the love that you have in your heart, say, I love you to yourself. You can do it to a, an attractive partner. You can feel this feeling of powerful love and cosmic energy when you say I love you to them, when you look them in the eyes. But if you look yourself in the eyes and you do that and you can't do it with the same level of intensity, there's going to be something you got to fix there. And you, you start listening to yourself. Don't criticize yourself because oh, my mom didn't love me the right way. My dad didn't love me the right way. Something must be wrong with me. No, they were bad parents. They were parents that could have done better and they didn't. And guess what? We need it to stop. Because you're still suffering from the effects of it today. And I feel so bad that you are experiencing some time for your whole life. You know, didn't get enough love during your, your childhood. And then you're old and you're realizing, I didn't feel love my whole life because of that. Got off to a bad foot, but it all starts at home. It all starts within. And just be practical. Do very simple things. Be, have a habit of just saying that mantra that I said for one minute a day. Anyone can do it for one minute a day. One minute. I love myself. I honor myself, I value myself, and I trust myself. These things are the things that everyone wants to feel by another person. So why not have it go crazy inside you? Plant those seeds in you and let them blossom into a beautiful garden. So when it's time for you to love someone, you're like the best lover. You're the best truster. You're the best valuer. You're the best honorer. You're the best, like, just, you got that. You need those solid foundations and... Yeah, man, it's very, it's very simple, but it's, it's hard because there are, I know there's a lot of hiccups that happen and I've experienced them all from the lens of myself or other people, but it's like, you want to live a beautiful life. You want to see the world. There's things that you're interested in. Like this is where you can really step into those realms being your best self. If you got those pillars of dialogue going in you, your vibration just will shift and you will see a change in the world around you and how you see things and how people see you will change too. I'm intentionally being silent right now. <laughs> Sometimes as a coach, it's important to witness when there's a moment where stillness is needed mm -hmm. to just allow the simmering mm -hmm. of the insights to just take place. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and for the audience, you, if you're anything like me, you just went on a journey through your own past. Mm -hmm. As you were talking, I was going through my trauma and my experiences mm -hmm. and from being teased and being bullied and being really insecure going through junior high school and high school mm. from feeling never good enough and and always jealous of friends that were always dating other girls and mm. feeling like I never got that chance uh, being sexually manipulated at 11 years old mm. losing a best friend at 21 years old to a drug overdose like and, and and I share these things because they've all been pivotal moments where I could trace back and find more compassion and kindness for myself mm. And hearing you speak allowed me just to do that even more. It's mm, beautiful. And, you know, the other, the woman that I ended up 
having a romantic separation with in November. I met her at a wedding in mm. Morocco mm. that I kind of crashed. That's how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was invited as a plus one, but didn't know anybody at this wedding. Perfect. And, um, you know, I, I, I showed up curious mm. as I do in the world because I love people, but I also, I, I found that connection is the process of when people feel seen, mm. heard, understood, and appreciated for who they are. Mm. In order to see somebody and appreciate someone, you have to be curious about them first. Mm -hmm. You have to learn about them. Mm -hmm. And you know, through the the wedding weekend, there was this 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 kind of notion that like George has become kind of a big hit at this wedding, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and people are talking about him and they're making jokes about how the the men are making jokes about how George is stealing the wives at the party. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and even the men want to turn gay for me. And just, just, everyone's having a good time just like commenting about how connected they're, they're feeling. And, and, and this girl that just by chance a, a romance sparked with, she, she, before that had happened, she looks at me and she just goes, what is your secret? Mm. Everyone is talking about you and I don't, I've never seen anything like it before. Mm. And I just... I looked at her and I said, do you really want to know? Mm. And I could come here. I whisper in her ear, I said, curiosity and kindness. Mm. And she looks at me with this just like, I got it. Mm. I see that. Mm. That makes sense. Mm. You've been asking me so many questions about me and what I'm going through and what I'm excited about, what I'm afraid of and mm. where I'm at in my life. And people have been sharing, they've been getting big breakthroughs and just they've been feeling uplifted and energized and motivated just by being around you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just said, I just get really curious about people mm -hmm. and and I express kindness to the things that I see. Mm -hmm. I, I, and, and to your point, we can only be as connected with other people as we are connected with ourselves. Mm -hmm. In order for me to know you, I have to know myself. In mm -hmm. order for me to understand your emotions and feelings, I have to understand mine. Mm -hmm. And and for those that don't have this practice of of their morning mantra mm -hmm. or feel disconnected with their feelings and say, "Oh, I'm not that touchy feely typey person," mm -hmm. well, I found that the value of understanding emotional awareness is so important is, is that when we experience hardship and we experience a trigger mm -hmm. where there's an external stimulus and we have a triggered response. We can investigate that with curiosity mm. where through this question, and I do this with my clients when they're like, I just don't understand why I keep approaching this work situation this way. I don't understand why I keep getting triggered. And I keep fighting back. I keep resisting. I don't understand why my wife and I keep having these challenges. And I go, well, what are you feeling in that moment? I'm mm. feeling unseen. I'm feeling unheard. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling like I'm not good enough. And the very simple question is, where else in your life did you first feel that way? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And they go, I don't know. And I go, just sit with it. Can you think about the first time in your life? It can be as simple and stupid as, 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 as you may think it to be. Yeah. But where is the first time in life where you felt that way? Mm -hmm. And then there'll be stillness. And then all of a sudden they'll go, oh my God. There was this time where I felt really unsafe because my father did something. And mm -hmm. it made me feel like he didn't care about me. And in that moment, I learned that, that I wasn't cared for. Mm. And what happens in that moment is that our child does this thing mm. where it comes up with a winning strategy to be good enough, mm. to be worthy of love. Mm. Because 
in that moment, we learn that we're not worthy of love. Mm. So the way that our brain interprets things subconsciously is in order to be worthy of love, I need to be fill in the blank. Mm. I need to be more successful, a better athlete, straight mm -hmm. A student, mm -hmm. a jock, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point in time in our life, that strategy works. Mm -hmm. It helps us meet our need for connection, our need for significance, our need for safety, whatever it is. Yeah. And the challenge is that as we enter into our adult life, that winning strategy no longer serves us anymore. Mm -hmm. it, it actually isolates us oftentimes. Mm. It causes friction, it causes discord. And when we go back, we can show compassion and kindness mm. to that inner child. And that's what you're talking about mm -hmm. through the word language. Mm -hmm. We're talking to ourselves subconsciously every day. And a lot of times it's through words of limitation. Yeah. The reason why talking positively to yourself feels funny or feels like resistance is because it's new. It's different. We're used to kicking ourselves, beating ourselves up, our inner critic, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what you've just talked about is an incredible uh, example of something that we can all do to reflect on when there's a trigger. Go, what am I feeling? Mm -hmm. Where else in my life did I feel that way? Mm -hmm. And this is where therapy and coaching really come in handy is mm -hmm. because sometimes it's hard to see outside of ourselves. But when we can have that space held by somebody, it can really promote a, a new awareness mm -hmm. where kindness can come in, mm -hmm. where we can go back and heal that inner child and say, hey, I know that you were doing your best. Mm -hmm. It's not to say, hey, you did it wrong back then. Yeah, yeah. No, you actually did it right. Yeah. You protected yourself back then. How brave of you to go through that experience mm -hmm. and not give up mm -hmm. and keep going and keep showing up to school when you were being bullied and keep keep showing up in that friend group even when you were being made fun of. Mm -hmm. How much courage that takes to face those fears mm -hmm. and deal with and endure that. And now you don't have to do that thing that you you've been doing mm -hmm. anymore. You mm -hmm. can find a new way. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can drop that and you can heal that. We can heal that through forgiveness. Mm -hmm. We can heal that through um, an, a deep understanding that, you know, for me in being very sensitive, I was very sensitive to the teasing and I had insecurity. Mm. But one thing that I also learned is how not to be in the world. Mm. You know, Viktor Frankl in his book, A Man Searching for Meaning, talks about a moment where he's on his knees in, the, in and I believe it was Auschwitz, mm -hmm. during the Holocaust, praying on his hands and knees in the concentration camp. Mm. And one of his colleagues, friends, looks at him and goes, what the hell are you doing? He goes, I'm praying. He, and the guy goes, what on earth? earth could you possibly be praying for it right now mm. he goes i'm thanking god he goes art what could you be thanking god for right now mm. he goes i'm thanking god for making me not like them mm. powerful life is a matter of about what we focus on and what it means mm. trauma and i'll paraphrase this is is not the thing that we experienced in the past Mm -hmm. but the story that we perpetuate inside of our mind that continues to live on in our present life. Mm. That's the trauma. Mm -hmm. And the good news about that is that we can't change the past experience, mm. but we can change the story. Yeah, definitely. We can choose to focus on something, but alter the meaning. You can choose to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not good enough. You're ugly. You're fat. You're too skinny. You're too this. You're too that. Mm. Or you can say the words that you said. I love myself. I mm. trust myself. I embrace myself. Mm. I see the courageous part in myself. Mm. I see that I have good intentions in the world and I flow into life from that place. Mm. You're looking at the same thing, 
but the meaning oh, it's it's a whole different emotional experience mm-hmm. big time. you know and this is the big thing that i think i connected with you on is i could feel that you had gone through that journey mm-hmm. you had gone through that experience and i just want to thank you for sharing that with our audience and 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 speaking such a bold and brave story out into the world because I think a lot of the listeners, the reality of it is we've all experienced some degree of trauma, maybe big T trauma, little T trauma. We all have our story. And the reason why I've started this podcast and the reason why I want to attract listeners to topics like this is so they can find a sense of inspiration and a sense that they're not alone in this experience. Mm. And whatever their experience may be, there there are methods, there are tools Mm. that you can use that can help overcome years and years and years of programming mm-hmm. and conditioning that are simply just causing blocks and stagnation and stuckness mm. stuckness in connection stuckness in going after what you really really want mm. and the beautiful thing is that as we start connecting with ourselves more deeply it increases our empathy it increases our compassion and therefore mm. it increases our connection with other people Big time. we're social species <laughs> we have to be in connection with other people maybe it's digitally in this era more often than not but as long as we're experiencing connection there's something of value there to be shared yeah yeah that's where a lot of uh the health comes in too i think like you'll get like blue zones are you familiar with blue zones yeah they uh, always stuck with me like the number one thing was always the connection with other people uh and there's that like Harvard study, they did like the 80 year Harvard study of happiness. And they found that people that had healthy, happy relationships, thus you had a healthy, happy relationship with yourself. It starts with that inner child and in you having that one-on-one good, healthy connection. But then uh, having other people, you live longer, healthier, happier lives, feeling connected to others in very real, deep and uh, exciting and loving ways, really. Uh, it's like the best medicine. I think that there's people that diet this, diet that, all these different things. What's your conversation diet like? What's your uh, diet like mentally? You know, what are you thinking about? Is that healthy for you? What's the effect of that? Saying that over and over again. Would you say that to another person? What would happen if you said that to another person over and over and over again? How would that affect them? These are the types of questions that opened me up. I was like, I don't want to be someone that is hurting other people. I'm realizing I'm hurting myself a lot. I'm doing things that no one else is here, but I'm going through immense amounts of pain and I'm going through immense amounts of emotional trauma and turmoil and things. And like, why am I doing that to myself? How am I programmed this way? Oh, there were things that happened that had me programmed that way that were so hard that they had me doing that for so long. Like, I don't know when you were a kid, you fall off your bike, you'd have a scab, you'd like pick at the scab. It had like a little pain to it, but also felt kind of good in a weird way. Like I had this like sting to it they were like just pick at their scabs and i think that that's a great representation of a lot of our trauma we get slit and we scab over from something we just keep picking at it and picking at it and it hurts but it keeps it coming it keeps it bleeding it keeps it hurting you got to learn how to like say hey i'm gonna give myself feedback and i'm gonna say what is this doing this is just regrowing an issue and a pain over and over again what how can we work together to not do that how could we work together inner child what's something that you really love and enjoy and how could we every time we feel like we need to do that we turn on the jets and we go to that um and that's what this mantra thing has been it could be whatever it is for you but it's uh you know whenever i'm picking at the scab i'm like oh i'm picking at the scab mentally time to go to my my uh, neosporin zone where i love myself i'm happy i love myself so much everything's good and i start to feel that way it's like we're such storytellers as humans. We follow stories. You look at everything that people are infatuated with. Stories are the backbone of it. 
You're infatuated with music. It's the story of the musician. You're infatuated with a sports team. It's the story of all the players and how they all intermingle. And if they're here or there or over at that city or whatever, it's a story of all these things going on. What's that inner story, story we're telling ourselves? And it might be all crazy, but really you're your own author of how you're talking about yourself. And what do you want to be said at your funeral? You want like, oh, he was kind of a grouch, uh, super like always struggling and he'd been through some hard shit, but he really beat himself up a lot. Or is it like he beat himself up and he realized I don't need to beat myself up anymore. Why am I doing this? There's things that feel better to me. Cause that's the thing too. Like these days you just want to feel, I think you want to just feel good in life. You want to feel as best as you can. You want to feel beauty. That's the beauty of being human. You have all these things going on. So like you experience the feeling of beauty so many different ways if you're open to it. And uh, it's it's awesome to, to be in that realm and live in that realm. And it's okay to live in a realm of experiencing beauty and love and appreciation and honor and value. And you did it really well with your country or your nationalism. You love your country. You're somehow doing everything with them. Like, can you teach yourself the same principles to pledge allegiance to yourself? Hmm. Pledge allegiance to self-love. Mm. pledge allegiance to self-value and self-honor and see what happens you're gonna you're gonna just just try it have you ever tried it before okay then try it like oh i've heard all these gurus talk no just try it mm. i can't tell you that chinese food is good but if you try it you'll probably think that it's good and you want to go eat it and make it a habit same thing with this it's just try it for a day try it for an hour try it for five minutes you know, like whatever, don't do it big. Like, don't put yourself like, oh, I need my whole life to be this way. Just like do a little experiment, you know, and a lifestyle switch is uh, always fun. You know, it opens up a new realm of possibility. So invite that thing on in, you know. Being Chinese, I can definitely validate that Chinese food is really great. <laughs> big time, but don't take my word for it. <laughs> big time. Definitely try it yourself. What's What's one simple, practical step that you would recommend people take if they're going through a healing process right now whether it be i mean there's there, we're living in crazy times right now there's sure. google just laid off twelve thousand people to a couple weeks ago the tech industry is being very affected interestingly enough now it's not the low income earners it's the higher income earners that are getting laid off right now there's a lot of i'm finding there's a lot of disruption i'm going through a period of my life where you know the topic of cancer has been coming up a lot mm. uh uh the my grandfather just passed away on Monday. Mm. There's just a lot of stuff happening right now I'm noticing in the collective. Yeah. And I think that we are entering into a deep, deep period of healing. And if someone's going through a healing journey right now, what's one practical step, simple step that they can walk away with that you could say, hey, do this for the next 30 days, do this for the next 60 days. What's a really good habit maybe that you have mm. that you can recommend the audience take on if they're looking to explore doing this type of healing work on themselves? Definitely. Well, first of all, I want to say uh, my condolences for your grandfather. I had something like that happen. And uh, it's a, it's a life-shattering thing where, oh, man, death. And also all these memories and then end it with a sorrow. You know, it's tough. It's just a tough thing. So I'm sorry about that. Well, one thing I'll say about that is that we learn so much about life through death mm -hmm. um I, i'm no stranger to grief mm. and as a result what the the beautiful thing that i'll share just so that way we we can end on on a note of beauty with mm. that topic is um i was with my 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 family my, mm. my grandfather had eight children my mm -hmm. four four sons and four daughters my mom was the oldest of eight mm -hmm. um 
And I'm saying that because it's quite chaotic at family reunions. Mm -hmm. You got a lot of Chinese people talking over one another and everyone's mm -hmm. telling each other what to do and being very controlling. And it's, it's, it's part of the family dynamic and it's a lot of fun and, and, but everyone has their coping mechanism and, mm -hmm. and I'm deep. I'm wanting to be present. I'm wanting to really express myself with my grandfather. But mm. there was so much commotion when we arrived to say goodbye on Sunday mm. that I, 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 I felt like I couldn't get that moment. And yeah. I was pissed. And I was frustrated. And I was trying to, I, I knew not to force it. And something really interesting happened is that my cousin, who has five children and they're all young, came into the room. And they came into the room crying. Mm. Um, they, in a way, actually knew him and got more time with him than I ever did in my entire life, even though they're 12 and 14 and 16, wow. um, because they live near him. Yeah. Um, I saw him on average once a year at most. Yeah. And um, I asked them, they came in crying, and that really grounded the energy in the room. And, you know, they were hovering over him and they were all crying. And I asked them, and it, it, it just brought the room together in the way that I'd been waiting for. Mm. And I asked them, and I said, have you guys ever lost someone that you loved before. Mm. And they said no. And it opened up this whole conversation about grief mm. and my reflections on grief and what I've learned about grief. Mm. And I, what I share with them is that when we lose someone, it shows us how important they are to us. Mm. But not just how important they are, but how important the qualities of who they are mm. were important to us. Mm. And I, I reflected back on many stories about him being a refugee from China and him starting an eight-person oh. family and starting his own, his own restaurant and how his life was lived through a lens of strength and courage and devotion and resilience and honor and family. Mm -hmm. And the stories that we all know, are those qualities and values were at the root of that. Mm -hmm. And I said, if, if, if you felt connected to him, you have an opportunity. Number one, he gave those qualities to you as a gift. Because mm -hmm. genetically, those were all passed on to us. Mm -hmm. And you have a choice. Mm -hmm. You may not be able to understand why bad things happen to good people. And you may not be able to even understand your own emotions right now. And that's very normal. And mm -hmm. you're allowed to feel those things. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to be with those things and not have to fix them and change them and know that that is normal. Mm -hmm. And the question that you can ask yourself, there's no, well, first of all, there's no religion that's been able to ever answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. It's just the existential conundrum. We, mm -hmm. we don't have an answer. And some questions won't have answers in life. Mm -hmm. But the question that you can find an answer to, that you can have find an answer to, is what meaning do I want to make with my life moving forward? Mm -hmm. How will I want to carry on his legacy based on how he lived his life and choose to live my life that way? Mm. what would living my life from devotion look like what can i be devoted to mm. you know my cousin's a basketball player and he's really good at basketball right mm. uh, is it that mm -hmm. what's going to be what's going to take courage when you're applying to colleges when you're trying to do something when you're trying to ask someone out on their first date when you're willing to say look what was what is being courageous in that moment look like mm -hmm. right how does value continuing to value family mean what does that mean to you what is your role in family right all these things and I could feel them just like there was a there was an understanding of that. They didn't really respond back. They're too young to be able to hold a conversation mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. But I could tell that it's soaked in, you know. And mm -hmm. and and that's what I've been able to use as a reflection practice to find grace through grief. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, I didn't get a chance to share everything that I wanted to with my grandfather. But I oftentimes find in life that we don't get the closure we want, but we always get the closure that we need. Definitely. Yeah. And being able to share that and pass that on to those to, to my cousin's children really felt like 
a way for me to make peace. And I'll say a eulogy because that's just what I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. It's my it's my coping mechanism and my healing process of how I find peace. But um, you know, I just wanted to share that and speak that out because yeah. because it's very much so happening. I think for a lot of people right now. Yeah. And there's a there's a disproportionate relationship that we have with grief and with death, and these very pivotal questions have completely changed the game of grief for me. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, this may sound silly. Grief is a skill set. Mm -hmm. We're not taught how to grieve. We're, we're, it's messy, and it's mm -hmm. and and learning how to hold that mess, and learning how that it's okay, and learning to direct our focus in an empowering form of reflection mm. has helped me still embrace my sadness. I mean, not, there's there's a photo of all of us sitting around, and we're all crying. I mean, I'm I I feel all these emotions very very mm. immensely. I'm very sensitive, mm. but there's a grace that we can find through sadness. There's a grace that we can find through grief. There's a grace that I found through depression. Mm. And it's, 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 it is a practice. Mm. It requires a lot of compassion mm. and it requires some curiosity. Mm. Um, so anyways. Wow, it's beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's tough, 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 tough. But also, yeah, I think he's living through you literally on a scientific level and, uh, spiritually and all that jazz too so just keep on uh sharing those good traits you saw you know what you saw that was beautiful is within you very vibrantly and had to experience that too with my passing of my grandma i was talking about earlier and it's uh yeah you you want to adopt those traits um, i think the best way to honor people is to you know live out the ways that you enjoyed and share that love keep that that torch going you know theirs might have burnt out but they passed you on that fire you know mm -hmm. to, to bring to the table and to the world today and yeah definitely i mean to answer your question about like just something simple for people to get into my trick that i've been doing is i've been focused on uh this thing i call the facts i fo focus on the facts because you don't want to focus on the fiction i want to focus on the facts and it's an acronym uh for food art, clothing, technology, and shelter. These things keep me busy, and these are ways that I express myself and also consume things that help me build references for other things. But basically, I uh, have become such a lover of myself where I've realized I want to go out and get exposed to different types of food. I want to figure out how to make different types of food. I want to share the table with different types of people and eat food because I think it's an amazing instrument and it also keeps us alive. So that's nice too. But I uh, kind of create a little uh, creative realm there that I'm focused on every day. Same thing with art, whether it be music or podcasting or just the simple act of creating a relationship. I really focus on art on a daily basis and, and nature is just one big, beautiful art piece. You know, there's all these cool little things that started off as a little small, tiny idea that now have grown into to these big plants and trees and all sorts of stuff. They're great to connect with. They're nature's art and they have so much going on if you really just zoom in on them. And there's so much to learn about it and, and seeing things creatively. And another thing is the the sea, which is clothing. So I'm really like like expressing myself through clothing and also complimenting people based off their, their clothing, uh, connecting with cultures and seeing how they like to dress themselves. I think it really is the... Uh, the feng shui of the body that we bring to the table. So it's just, it's fascinating to me. And, uh, you know, people that are, you know, all, from all sorts of cultures, they have little things, they like to add accessories, all sorts of stuff. And it's just really interesting to learn about all that and see the oneness and all that. Uh, technology, 
is the T of the facts. Technology is a one where you should be using technology to uh, grow your database of friendships and just understanding of the world and the ways that you wish to see it. Spend more time learning and less time just churning through algorithms that aren't trying to get you to learn. Learning is so powerful because it allows you to connect with people in a really deep way. The more you understand things, the more people can understand you. And it's just a great way to express yourself. And technology is kind of that that portal to a lot of education that I use. And then uh, shelter is at the S. Uh, it's kind of like what you have in this space here. It's like what's going on inside your mind is also a reflection of what you've kind of created within your shelter. That was the feng shui of your space. You deserve to have a space of your own, whether it just be one little room uh, or it could be a, a big space, a big house, whatever. But just having a space where it's, this is my space and this is a reflection of me all around me. Uh, I got the comfortable couch that's a symbol of my comfort that I wish to provide. And I got the comfort of my instruments where I can sing and also sing with others. Like make your shelter and your feng shui be a reflection of you and something that you can be proud of. But through those things, those keep me busy. Because a lot of people are like, what do I do with my time, you know? People that have gone down these paths of just watching entertainment, not really learning much, going through, you know, all of these depressive episodes and all this stuff. What am I supposed to be doing instead of doing these things? I'm so infatuated with these problems and these issues and these entertainment things that are being advertised to me. Uh, what is a healthy uh, substitute for that? And focusing on the facts has been a great thing for me. And who doesn't love food? Who doesn't love trying new food? Who doesn't love trying to make good food? The best is one of the best feelings is making a meal that's really good for someone. That's a great thing to practice and, you know, invest in time and, and, and resources of doing that. Same thing with art. Pick up the paintbrush again. Pick up the Legos again. Pick up the, the computer and start making art on there. Do whatever you like. Sing with some friends. Go, like, do something creative that makes you feel good. Or just go create a relationship with someone, you know, uh, you used to play a board game with your grandma. Go join a club that plays that board game. Uh, you know, <laughs> go connect with people that also share those same experiences in a creative way, and do stuff like that that keeps you busy and allows you to be expressive and also uh, expose yourself to more fun and creative energy. So I try to I try to simplify it down. I know it's like more long winded, but focusing on the facts: food, art, clothing, technology, shelter. You see them all around you. They're all around you everywhere. They're things that you can integrate with, be curious in. They allow you to express yourself and meet other people. And uh, you could always be busy learning about these things. But that's what I'm doing. And I've gotten to the point now where it's naturally turned into, I have businesses in food. I have businesses in art. I have businesses in clothing and technology and shelter. All based off of starting off just having an infatuation with them and being able to speak to other people that have infatuations with them that have you know, specific degrees of, uh, of success in those spaces that now we become friends and we hang out and now I get to try the best food around the world or try the coolest art and, and connect with cool artists or wear cool clothes or uh, check out the coolest, latest technology before it comes out or check out ways people are approaching shelter in all these unique ways, you know, like uh, your interest help you to say, universe, bring me more of this, you know? And so if you're looking like, what am I supposed to be thinking about besides all this stuff I've been thinking about since I was a kid, like love yourself, set that foundation and then go into loving, honoring, valuing, and trusting food, art, clothing, technology, shelter, all that stuff that's coming your way and see how it helps you. It should keep you busy and you'll meet so many cool people that just love food or love music or love clothes and all of that and technology. And now there's this new kind of modern renaissance going on where you can 
create all of it at once if you want and have it all integrated and you can create an event that hosts people that are are doing all this cool stuff like you know we're all uh, i think going through hard times where we're experiencing shifts we don't want to live in a hierarchical society much anymore it's falling it's falling and you get fired from google Twelve thousand people got fired from google great now you're free you just learned how to operate in a big business that's taken over the world in a lot of ways. And now you can create whatever you want. You can band together with people and start connecting with other people. And the reason why I think it's so essential for you to be interested in these you know, pillars is because it will introduce you to different people. A lot of people make this mistake. They'll say, I'm a coach like yourself. I'm just going to mingle with other coaches. But that's not what you want. I want to, you want to mingle with people that do production with podcasts, people that make food so you can host people, people that make cool art so they got creative friendships, uh, people that are great with technology that can help you promote your stuff. You need to kind of understand and be interested in all things so you can receive the benefit for them for whatever your dream is. Because all of these pillars actually play a role in whatever your dream is. You want to start your own business. You want to be an entrepreneur, digital nomad. You're going to find food, art, clothing, technology, and shelter being a key foundation and be interested in those things. Learn so much about them. Find people online that are interested in the same thing. And you're going to see like, oh my gosh, like I'm having so much fun and I'm getting the needs that I need met and I'm trying new things and my senses are being stimulated. My smell, my hearing, everything is being stimulated. It's perfect. And you got to really just uh, kind of set that foundation. And if you can do it, trust me, you can do it. And if you really want freedom, we value freedom here in America. They teach freedom here. This place is awesome because it brings together all countries from all around the world, brings people here in a melting pot and says, freedom is the goal. Freedom is not working at a big company nine to five, getting paid $150,000 a year, but hating your life. That's not freedom. That's not freedom at all. What is freedom actually? It's being able to feel like you can live the life that you always wanted to live as a kid and you can actually make it real and you believe in yourself so much so that other people start to believe in it too. And that's a beautiful thing. And when you start believing in other things, those things will start believing in you and feeding you inspiration. I have friends that work in the food space and they're obsessed with architecture because they look at the layers and the textures of the architecture and they somehow can translate that to how they will make their food. There's a soft, cushy couch when I'm sitting here. I want to have that type of feeling when you're eating it as a side dish. And then there's that hard, leafy thing. So that's where I'm going to get the salad you know, inside this room. They, they connect all the dots for you and then they put it into their food or people in music they go live life eating good food checking out good art clothing doing all these things and then they make music about it and that's what makes the music connect with so many different people is because it's talking about so many different things and it's pulling different gravitational pulls so it's like you should be so busy getting infatuated with all these cool things that are around you that are endless possibilities that you can play a part in you can be creative in and you can experience do that non-stop and it is a fun. It is a joy. It will take you all around the world and go see the world. We are living in 2023. You can fly anywhere in the world right now for under $1,000 and you can go stay in a place in an Airbnb or whatever for really cheap, $10 a night, $20 a night. Go let the world see your face and go face the world and see what happens. It's a really great time to do this. Mm. And if you're like, what do I do? Focus on it. You know, What is my focus? Like you said, you know, energy goes where focus flows or something like that. That is what we need as a society. We need to look at ourselves inter- internally and be like, what can I do? You know, I can help people in this way. Okay, 
my manifestation is I'm going to focus on having a business where I can travel around the world, doing things that I love, meeting people that are cool, making an impact on cultures and having cultures make impacts on me and me becoming a more worldly person that understands the human experience and loves one another and has a great time. And then you got 20,000 people at your funeral. Everyone loved this guy because he was spending his whole time just like you at the wedding, being curious and everything, food, everything is, oh, everything has such a curiosity and there's secrets behind all of it that are really great and little Easter eggs on how this became this and that and, you know, experience that. And you're going to realize, oh, that's how I became me. I'm like this. I'm just, I am just as beautiful as these things I'm experiencing. So yeah, man, focus on the facts. If you could dwindle it down, focus on the facts. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's very evident that any work you've been doing on yourself in terms of improving communication is working. <laughs> <laughs> and, and clearly you're a man that lives with a lot of inspiration and a lot of passion. And and I love your your facts uh, acronym. And, and the big insight I, I think I'm, I'm kind of getting from that is, is as simple as find your passion again. Mm-hmm. If you're going through a period of healing and if you're going through a period of disconnection, that disconnection is there to show you what's not working. Mm-hmm. Life is a constant experiment of mm-hmm. trial and error. Mm-hmm. And we forget that because we have this attachment to being right and getting it right. I'll, I'll tell you this. We don't forget that. It is beaten out of us as a kid. When we're kids, it's it's crazy to me, but when, when there's kids, kids want to do everything. They're so creative. Go look at a two-year-old mm-hmm. that's in a loving environment. They are building blocks. They're picking up markers. They are doing all sorts of stuff. Let people experiment. We are little astronauts on this floating orb. Let people experiment with gravity. They uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about in this podcast. He, uh, he was talking about when a kid picks up an egg, when he sees an egg and he's a two-year-old, he reaches up and he grabs an egg. If a parent goes and says, stop that, don't grab that egg because they think that it's going to break. So what? That thing costs, okay, maybe nowadays it costs like a dollar or whatever, but that thing costs like a quarter. Let them pick up and learn about gravity and drop it. So what? Because next time they're going to pick it up, they're going to be more delicate with it because they know, oh, if I drop it, I'm going to break it. But if you're like, don't touch those eggs, you're like, okay, I'm not supposed to do anything around you. I need to walk on eggshells around you, like, you know, in this weird way. And it's like, we get that beaten out of us. So we got to do it right. Like you're saying, it's true, but we get that taken away from us as a kid because parents don't want you drawn with crayons on the walls. So what? You're not, you're trying to raise a healthy, happy kid. You're not trying to have a perfect home that has the perfect aesthetic. If you're raising a kid, you want the kid to have the best life possible. Let him make some stuff on the wall. Maybe it turns into the coolest muralist of all time. Everyone loves that. And you just got to paint over the thing. Anyways, like these kids do this. And I see parents just beat up their kids verbally like why would you do that why would you take the markers and put them on the wall terrible bad they're two years old three years old telling them they're bad for wanting to draw on the wall that is like just an innate thing that we've been doing as cavemen we were cavemen drawing on the wall humans do that shit don't try to stop evolution that thing's happened for such a long time don't let your children just sit on their screen all day and not produce anything. And the moment that they do try to produce some sort of artwork, no matter what the medium may be, you try to destroy it and then just say, go back to numbing yourself on the tablet so I can go back to numbing myself on mine. It's like, get creative with them. Be like, all right, we're going to make a whole mural together on this wall, boy. We're going (laughs) to take the artwork down and we're going to make a mural together. You like putting on the wall what you want to make. You want to put a huge car on it? Let's do it. Let's paint it together. You know, let's outline it. You like doing it? That means you like art. And that will change that kid's life and how they see art forever. They will see value and the creativity of art 
they'll see all oh, the feelings I felt when I was making art with my dad is probably what this person was feeling when they were making this beautiful art on the wall here at this museum or this beautiful graffiti on the wall here in Venice. You know, you start connecting and that is how you start connecting with what makes you passionate. But every kid comes out an artist. Pablo Picasso said it best. Every kid comes out an artist, but the adulthood just wants you to not be creative. It's like, no, you're supposed to be producing things, not creating things. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be producing actions, but not creating things that you come up with from scratch. We got to get rid of that. Mm -hmm. We all need to uh, uh, welcome creativity. Mm -hmm. And it is so important that you see creativity in everything your child does. They're trying to live creatively. So they're trying to pick up the egg and they're going to do something creative with it. They might draw on it and make it their pet. I don't know. They're going to do something funny and interesting with it. And if they drop it and they start crying, cry with them. I know it sucks. Things can be so hard, but also so delicate. That's exactly what life is. And we just learned a good lesson to there together that life can be seeming so hard, but actually it's very delicate and it can just break away and flow out and change. And you got to learn that lesson, little kid. And I'm not going to hold you back from learning that lesson. Drop the egg. It's 25 cents, you know, a dollar with inflation. Who knows? But I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's such a nice wrap to this conversation um, about the topic of inner child healing. Mm -hmm. These things that we're taught have to be healed. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that I think I came into awareness of during my inner child healing, uh, inner child wounding, reparenting journey is that that inner child still lives within us. Mm -hmm. It just lives in a cage that we actually put it in based Mm -hmm. on these old rules that we'd learned. Mm -hmm. And when we can open up that cage and let that inner child run free again to be creative, to be expressive, to explore, to experiment, we find connection again. And when we're experiencing disconnection, it's an opportunity for us to realize that's redirection into exploring something new, Mm -hmm. something different, a new potential partner, a new person, a new project, a new career path, a new state, a new country, whatever it is. There's opportunity for us to explore with curiosity mm-hmm. and without expectation mm-hmm. to let the inner child roam out and roam with a little reckless abandonment. Mm. And I, I just, I, that's again, I just think that's so beautiful that you brought that up at the end of this conversation because the whole process of this flow has been about we experience things in life that take us back to our childhood, to where we learn things that aren't serving us anymore. And we get to go back and do that deep work. Mm-hmm. We get to go back and be our own healers mm-hmm. and be our own parents that we didn't have mm-hmm. and reparent that inner child to show it kindness, to show it compassion so it feels safe to go and explore. Mm-hmm. That's what this whole conversation has been about. Exactly. So I'm just, I, you know, Johnny, it's been so nice having you on the podcast and I just appreciate your wisdom, your reflections, mm-hmm. your passion. Um, tell the audience how they can stay connected with you. Yeah, most definitely. Well, thank you for having me. I love... Uh, have an opportunity to just kind of share what's going on. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to connect with me, I love talking to everyone, connecting with everyone. I, uh, you can find me on all social media platforms, J-Rap. Uh, my name is Johnny Rap, uh, J-R-A-P-P. Uh, you can check out what I'm working on at jrap.org. Uh, you know, whatever. I'm just uh, trying to experience things. And I think every person I talk to is uh, a new opportunity to learn and to grow and Everyone comes at this life from a different angle. Uh, I've had some stuff that I've figured out and a lot that I haven't. And I am continuously a student of the game. So if you've got something that you want to learn from me, uh, most definitely have something I want to learn from you. So feel free to reach out and uh, yeah, we'll schedule a time to chat, even if it's just for 10, 20 minutes, whatever. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me for real. I'm excited for your podcast and uh, 
the feng shui in here is freaking awesome too. So I, uh, I feel very comfortable. So good job just uh, making a space that makes people feel nice and uh, at ease because uh, I hope that's felt in like the reflection of the voice and stuff like that. But I'm sure it will. Very much so, man. And I'm looking forward to hearing your podcast come out as well too. Maybe this episode that we recorded was a little more inspiration for you to get yours going. Definitely. I, I think it's going to be something really beautiful in this world. Definitely. It's coming soon. Can't wait, man. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Of course, brother. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Think Out Loud podcast. If you liked it, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review it, and potentially share it with a friend. And if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram at shapeshift underscore coach, or just search my name. And you can also find me on my website at www.shapeshiftcoach.com. Look forward to seeing you here again soon.